Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Say It Loud Network and Mean Old Line Media presents the history of being black. Welcome to another episode of the History of Being Black. I'm your host, Eunice Elliott. This is the podcast where we don't just talk about black history. We talk about what it means to be black in America and the history we continuously make, the history we're trying not to repeat, and what can we do to be the change we would like to see. I am always joined by a thought leader in the community, scholars in the community, and today's guest has uh, graced us with her presence on a previous episode. If you have not listened to the episode about cotton in America, do yourself a favor, make sure you listen to that one, but we are joined again by Dr. Cassie Chardet, Turnip C, Assistant Professor of History at Jackson State University. Welcome back, Dr. Turnipseed. Thank you. It's good to be back. You are just uh, such a light in everything you do. Uh, you you teach, and then the earlier podcast, I just felt like a student more so than a host. So thank you for that, because <laughs> the passion in which you speak about being Black in America is just really, um, it's all inspiring, because obviously you've done the work on the uh, research, and the way you're able to communicate it, it, it makes me want to be more in tune with who I was born to be. You offered us in that earlier episode the idea of in our hashtag be the change, hashtag 21 in 21, what can we do? You said know thyself. One of the things that really is either thought about, talked about, but not really known in a historical sense is the black vote in America. We just had a big national election uh, in 2020 and black folks showed up and showed out and basically tilted the results of this election. Talk to me just when we talk about black folks voting in America, what is your, and I know when I ask you this question, I'm going to sit back and just, <laughs> just listen. So I'm trying to phrase the question right. So you just go, what, when you hear about black folks voting in America, where do you go when you talk to your students or anybody about that concept? <laughs> I go in all directions because, <laughs> you know, first and foremost, it's, to be understood that, yes, our ancestors fought and died in order to give us that right, that responsibility, that full citizenship. So we are obliged to show up like they showed up and showed out. And as we seem to have done again with this year's election and the uh, electing of the first black woman who will be president. Mm-hmm. She will be so, president. Who will be president. So, and, you know, I just, I just love it. I just, <laughs> I just love the way things are rolling out. But, and, and it was something real interesting about this 2020 business, you know, just earth shattering and the cracking of the earth. And so things are raising up out of the earth that has never raised up before. And I think it has a lot to do with with them bones, you know, with, with African spirits. I mean, those tears, all that blood and all that suffering that has been spilled on this earth and in, in this country, 
we're about to see some major changes. That's all I can say. And that's, I'm, and you know, it's a prediction. It's something I feel. It's something that I know, you know, because we are magic like that. Okay. And things are coming back around. It's a full circle kind of dynamic where, you know, we were once at the top of the planet and are the pyramids again, for, for example. I mean, you know, we built those and they have survived countless of thousands of years. Nobody really knows, you know, how long our treasures have been present on this earth, you know, just, just watching as things roll out. And so now I think we're back up on that. We have reached the bottom. We know, Lord knows, we have seen the bottom of us, you know, statistically measuring at the bottom of everything. But I see us also coming back full circle. And one of the challenges that I love making to every audience that I speak to is just this one thing. It's, 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 you tell me what skill, what talent, what expertise, what profession is there that when African people have gotten the leisure of, of an education and the luxury of the finance to do whatever we want to do and become masters in it, where is it? Tell me, where is it that we're not the best? Mm, that part right there. Mm-hmm. There is For the past nine years, I've been asking every audience, including all of my students, every single year, I tell them, I'll give you 100 points. You don't even have to take the final. You tell me what skill, talent, expertise, or profession where when we got that education and when we master that particular skill, tell me where we're not at the top are the best. We could be the best of the best of the worst of the worst. You want to see a knucklehead? Can't nobody do it better. (laughs) But you're right, though. We will show you how to act up just we like we will show you how to act you. out. <laughs> okay. So, but the real question there, sister, is why are we at the bottom? You mm-hmm. all that. Right. So why have you chosen to stay stuck at the bottom? Because that's a choice. In my well, let me opinion, ask you I'm about not... that. How, yeah. Because I don't think people think of it as a choice. I think we think of, okay, the system is rigged against us, mm-hmm. institutionalized racism. We didn't get our 40 acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. I inherited a generational curse versus generational wealth. Tell me how I'm choosing any of yeah. that. And I think, again, you know, for those who know what it's like growing up in the hood, okay, you do make a choice. You, you choose to succumb to the BS. Or you choose to rise up, and it takes a whole lot of strength and courage to do it, I know. And falling down and and tripping over yourself and all kinds of things. But you got to be determined, and you can't give up. And you got to know your magic. You choose what you are supposed to do. Don't just go and get a job. You go hire the job. You know you know what you're good at. You know where your passion are. You need to discover where your passion lies and, and do that. Because you're going to be the best at it. And that's what's going to lift you up. Now, let just... me go. Let me, I'm telling you, Dr. Turner, you be bothering me. Let me focus on what we're talking about. Because I'm like, you're right, though. I got something. <laughs> oh, we're talking about voting, right? Okay, oh, yeah, we're talking about voting. Hold up. We're going to have to go offline for you to just be my life coach over here. 
Um, but when we talk about voting and the power of the vote, we've been disenfranchised from day one. Once they gave the right to vote and then added in, but you gotta, uh, your grandfather had to own property or you gotta have, be able to have pass his literacy test or, you know, today I live in Alabama closing down driver's license offices so they don't have ID. So once we're disenfranchised and we have, we know people died for us to be able to do it. What's the disconnect between people being willing to die for the right and then that apathy that seem, seems to take over sometimes in our community. Yeah, you know, that's interesting it, because it's like, I don't know why we put up with this mess. You know, I, I just don't know why we put up with the madness. And I think it's just that, you know, we grew up, well, well we don't want to be ugly, you know, or we don't want to be like them. Or we, we don't want to be a problem. We don't want to cause too much attention. You know, because when you set it off with us, it's on. And so, you know, I guess it's about Okay, let me just calm down. Let me just not blow up every damn thing. You know what I mean? And so it's just, that was the magic that grandmom and them had, you know, when they were just able to just cool it. And they had their secret little societies or their little secret coded messages, talking pig Latin or whatever. You know, they knew who they was dealing with. And they dealing with some evil little monsters and they don't want to become like them. And the moment we go in on you, the way we really want to go in on, okay, we right there with you and we're going to show you how to do this. But we don't want to be like that because mm. I think it's something about us being the first people on this planet that it, it, we're obliged or obligated. It's our responsibility to maintain humanity. Mm. Okay, well, speak to me about that, because you just said something, okay? <laughs> because there is something to that, because when we talk about it, and we talk about the inhumane treatment of all people of color by one minority on the planet, but somehow they're in power, but they're the minority, there are more people of color on the planet than white people, there is the lack of humanity that causes them to always be able to end up on top, while we somewhere yeah. being humane and treating people like humans. What yeah. is that? What What is that? But I've never heard a phrase as being the first people here that we have a natural humanity attached to us that we can't shake. Yeah. And again, you know, we were talking in the earlier segment about the Gullahs and the Geechee people. And when I was there, I learned something so profound. It was this group, there was sisters. They were actual biological sisters who was carrying on their mother's legacy. And they were sharing some of the wisdom of their mother and how their mother did not share with them or expose them to white folk too much. They just didn't want and didn't tell them about the history because they didn't want them to go there with that anger, with that resentment, with that fear, with that, you know, that thing we get when we really know how vicious white people have been mm -hmm. towards, you know, the revenge thing. Right. Because it would taint them, because it would taint their spirit, their essence, their beauty, their natural loving selves. So it wasn't until they became adults, you know, that they learned that. But it was a strategy by their mother to protect them. And so, you know, I think that's deep. You know, I think that, you know, again, the fundamental essence of us is love. And that's what we bring to this planet. And, you know, we do it so often. I mean, you know, with the Martin Luther King nonviolent 
attempts and, you know, all of our ways of sharing and, and taking care and, and, and allowing little white babies to suckle on us, you know, and knowing that, you know, our kid is sitting over there in the corner looking at us, you know, and this is the other thing. I know I'm going on a tangent, but this is important. For like 17 generations now, our families, our people had to sit over in a corner somewhere and mama would say, sit down and shut up because I say it so. And meantime, she's paddling and making us play with these little white kids over here who she was cleaning the house for and, you know, having to be the maid and cook and, and nurture these kids. And by the time she got home, she tired. She's only human. And so what does that do to that child who has to look at this? That's my mama. I know how I feel about my mama. Right. I can only imagine for 17 generations or so, we've had to absorb this, this, this view, this vision of whiteness being treated special by our own parents, by our own people. And then you had to go to church and look at this white Jesus. So what did that do to you? Oh, we, we sick. I mean, we got some mental illness that we all need therapy for. But that's the kind of thing, you know, that we have to get over. We got to get past this, this whiteness, you know, that it being superior and then us being complicit in that and allowing them to even continue with that notion. I mean, we need to shut it down. That's it. And, that, and the, the complicitness you speak about is when people don't go vote or use their power. In the 2020 election, we shifted so many different states in the in the national general election. When you talk about Black folks voting, uh, I know in an earlier episode you mentioned uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, um, the, the figures that stood out in politics. Right now, having the first Black female vice president, soon to be president, but so many of us aren't attached to the stories of the people that did pave the way, that did mm-hmm. show up, the Shirley Chisholm's and Fannie Lou yeah. Hamer's. And so yeah. tell me about the importance of their stories and the fact that we need to know them to know who we are and who we, we're trying to be. I love how you made that come back around. I'm trying because we can go anywhere, anytime with yeah. you. And I said, we're going to have to do that. I said, I wait a minute. We, we bring that way back. Terrible. Wait a minute. Let me bring you back. Good. That's going to be another episode, Dr. Turnipseed. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Okay. Fannie Lou Hamer, who is really her and Ida B. Wells are my two favorite sisters. Oh, my God. Of course, Harriet. I mean, we can go on and on. But. Ida B. Wells, we'll save her for another time. But Fannie Lou Hamer, okay. She is from this city where I live in currently. She's in this county. This is where she was from. And this is where she did all her historic work. And I moved here a little over 10 years ago. And that was the first thing that I noticed is that there is nothing here that even suggests that she was ever here. Wow. And so in her city of Ruleville, fortunately, uh, I guess about five or six years ago, they built a statue and at her gravesite. And so there is a memorial garden there and a museum that's in Ruleville. And uh, one of my good sister friends, Julianne Malvo, was a part of that team and Dr. Stacey White and others. But nothing here in Indianola. This is where she stood and fought for the rights of African-Americans to get full citizenship, because, of course, you know, we were not given, as you indicated earlier, the rights to vote when there was all this voter suppression going on. 
No one really was helping us as we had helped with the women's suffrage movement in 1920 passed, but the white girls turned their back on us and said, yeah, you right there and talk about that. That's a dynamic that's very rarely visited is how we will show up to support the causes that don't show up to support us. And women's suffrage is a wonderful example that they didn't show up for black voter rights. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, and it goes on and on and on, but then, that's on us. I mean, again, you know, and I hate to criticize our strategy sometimes, but we do have to understand that that was for a season and a reason and all that. But then we learn from that and quickly adjust. OK, and, and we need to self-correct and say, OK, got it. And then do that fight again for your own benefit and for your own you know, self-preservation or what have you. But yeah, Fannie Lou. I really want that. <laughs> I'm writing down all the future episodes with Dr. Turner. I'm like, okay, follow up on women's suffrage. Okay? Keep going. Fanny Lou. Fanny Lou Hamer is so significant uh, because, again, the woman, I mean, she was treated so harshly. She was beaten till she was hard because she was riding, you know, in, in a bus that was a school bus that was too yellow. That's why they, you know, pulled over and whatnot. And to beat this woman as if she was not human and not even an animal. I mean, just to do the things and to have gone through the things that she have gone through, it again gives testament to the fact that this is worth fighting for. I mean, if she's going to sacrifice her life like this, um, pay attention. What was she fighting for? She was fighting for you and for you to not carry that baton to the next generation is a sin. That's just not right on any level. And our youth need to understand that, but they don't know that if we don't teach them, if we don't share with them these stories of suffrage on our own behalf. And what did we have to do just to get to this place where, you know, that they didn't shut the door or try to lynch us because we wanted our own, we wanted to vote. And yeah, White folks will go there, you know, and that's the kind of stuff we just weren't. Who does this? Why would you want to kill me just because I want the right to vote? What's in that vote? You know, what's so powerful? That's the power power is in that vote. And they realize whether it's education or the right to vote or the right to own land, anything that they benefit from, Mm -hmm. then they have to make sure we don't pursue it or have it. But just when you were talking about our youth don't know because they don't, One, they're not taught these stories in most public school educations. And a lot of the information about Black folks that we need to know, we would then need to go source it ourselves. Mm -hmm. I find that there is always much more of attachment, especially for immigrants, to have an appreciation for what their parents did for them to succeed. And so they have more attachments to education and succeeding. Well, I think sometimes that's lost on us, our ancestors, and what they did for us to succeed. Except if you haven't noticed yet, the Africans who come straight over from right. Africa. They have that attachment. A plus students, they get upset mm-hmm. if they get an A. It's like, oh, I mean, you know, and that's, I love it, you know, because they're here on a mission. They're determined. They're, they're smart as hell. And, and they're a great example to all the rest of us who kind of lost that way right. because we were denied for so long, you know. And, and it's, it's, I guess when you say we still get to choose, that's the thing that I think that we miss out most of 
from being African-Americans is the detachment from a culture, detachment from a home, detachment from anything that would actually be ours to then say, and I'm the next step in that. I think we just yeah. get lost in the sauce and we get, we become yeah. happened to. Yeah. Because we don't have those attachments. Right. And then to, you know, what really exhausts me is the fact that we still have that debate of you being an African person. Right. And right. because of that disconnect, you are disconnecting yourself from that magic, from that spirit, from that source of life itself. You know, we are the ones who gave life to, we are the genitors, we're the ones who gave life to everybody. So you want to disconnect from that? Really? Well, and I think that's what we were taught. We were taught nothing about it. So the disconnect, I think, was organic through the generations. But I think something like voting, you see me coming back, something mm -hmm. like voting, <laughs> uh, where we can see footage of our <laughs> most, some of our most immediate ancestors giving up their lives for our right. And yeah. so I think because we're not conditioned to have an attachment to any ancestors, we can see that and still say, well, I'm not going to vote or I don't like that person or my vote doesn't count. And so I think in, in America, what we need to figure out, one, I think we will see a shift now with early voting and mail-in ballots. People are starting to see, OK, my vote actually counts. I yeah. think especially with the 2020 election, when you saw those tallies changing, you felt like, oh, my vote was one of those 18,432 votes that made him win that state. What can we do to go to the next level beyond just voting? Well, obviously, we need to hold these elected officials accountable. But black folks in America, when you say we choose it, it's on us to change it. What else can we do besides voting? What else would you say we need to do? Well, let me speak on the voting ballot thing, because, I, you know, okay. not that I'm a conspiracy theorist at all, but oh, no, I'm, I'm interested. Let's hear it. I, you know, I just I just, you know, <laughs> I'm studying Trump. He's interesting. He said just, um, you know, of course, after the election that um, we cheated or that uh, the Democrats cheated and that he really won. And because they had rigged machines and, and this this whole uh, way in which um, it was supposed to go. But then here comes COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, OK, why do you know so much about this rigged machine, the Dominion thing? Why did you try to shut down the post office? Why did you steal the, 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 the deposit boxes and stuff like that? Now, why are you discrediting mail-in and walk-in and, you know, advanced um, uh, absentee ballots and all that? Why, why, wait, okay. So what I think happened was he had intended to rig the machines. And he and doesn't understand. He doesn't understand how it didn't work. <laughs> I'm right there with you. That's oh, why he was so adamant that they had to have cheated. Because um, I cheated. Okay. Yes. Why y'all know so much about this Dominion software? Oh, come to find out, Ivanka and her husband, Jared, invested in voting machines, went to Silicon Valley, did the workshop on manipulating software. Oh, did mm -hmm. you? If you're cheating in a relationship, you more than likely are going to accuse your partner of cheating because, <laughs> because you're doing it. Okay. Right. And, that's, exactly. and that's the thing. It's like, okay, y'all did all this to suppress the vote. The vote <laughs> showed up. And so now it's voter fraud and they had to have cheated. It was because, no, we just showed up. We just showed all up. because COVID. 
Hmm? God in there is a God. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it's been a huge price to pay, you know, with especially in the black community. This disease ain't no joke. But that's what derailed Trump. And he ain't accepting it because he know what he did. And he know he guilty. And he y'all must have did this. No, you are telling me exactly what you did. And you know what? He actually telegraphs what he's going to do before he does it. Even before the election. I don't know if I'm going to accept the results. I don't know if I'm going to go to the inauguration. He tells you he's going to act fool before he actually acts that fool. So it's not a surprise. So for, for us um, in, in what we're looking at doing next, okay? So you yeah. want us to remember who we are, stay attached to our magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing all this down for my life coaching session with Dr. Turnipseed. I don't know about the history of being black podcast, but what, and, and you say you see the shift, you see the change. Yes, I do. I really do. And I see it in our youth. We saw it this summer with the killing of George Floyd and Rihanna Taylor and all, but you know, we, 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 uh-uh, okay, time's up. So it's a whole new shift. It's a shifting. It's a paradigm shift for real. And, you know, this is one of the time it's snowing outside. So just give us a minute. We'll be, you know, but I think folks are in t- getting in tuned and, and learning new things and study. I see it in my students and, and, and I will never work at a predominantly white institution. I promise you, because it's so important to just stay connected to the youth, to our youth at an HBCU where you could tell the truth. And you can just, you know, always, you know, have this exchange and get them practicing on on their position. What do you think? And, you know, what do we need to do? Because it is the answer comes from them. They are little geniuses, but they're only when we reinforce that notion in them that they become and they are manifested in that. And, you know, I just think in terms of voting, um, the whole idea of what they see is that manipulation of the ballot and that this democracy is a farce. It's, it's a joke. So it needs to change. So they're the ones who are going to have to come up with not necessarily, I don't know if it's software, but this computerized voting with no receipts. That's a lie. Come on, y'all. We know better than that. I don't even know why we put up with it. Why, why, you know, but we have to vote. So. We got to get back to the better way of counting ballots or um, getting receipts that then also verify there needs to be a check and balance. You know, excuse me. Why is there no accountability in this whole dynamic? And I do believe will happen now if the people that are in power feel like there's a problem because they lost. It's like, okay, well, if if you can think you lost and feel like there's voter fraud with no proof or evidence, but we all agree the system needs to change. So Mm -hmm. maybe this will get us there. And then taking us all the way back to my challenge. Can't nobody do it but you. You're the best at whatever you do. So you're going to come up with the answer. I just know that. I don't have nothing else to say about it. I think we just ended there. That's the be the change. Hashtag be the change. Hey, y'all come up with the answer. Whoever is listening, Dr. Termsey said, can't nobody do it better than you. You would be you and you and you. Whoever's listening, I'm talking about you. Hashtag 21 and 21. And at this point, I need to just come up with a Dr. Turnipsey hashtag. It says, because Dr. Turnipsey said it. Okay? <laughs> Always such a joy to visit with you. Hopefully you will bless us with your presence later on in the season. With uh, I'm not going to ever offer you another topic. That's what I'm not going to do. 
I'm going to say, Dr. Turnipsey, what are we going to talk about today? And then we're going to press record. And then I'm going to go get something to eat. And I'm just going to sit here and take notes. Okay. That way we can save a little bit more time to be more efficient in what we're doing. I just feel so excited that you have blessed us with you again. Uh, Dr. Turnipsey, Assistant Professor of History at Jackson State. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the history of being Black. Be the change. Hashtag be the change. Hashtag 21 and 21. And we will see all of you on the next episode. Take care. The History of Being Black podcast is hosted and produced by Eunice Elliott. Associate producer Lauren Turner. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producers Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast. The History of Being Black podcast is a mean old lion and Say It Loud Network production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.